because I am loud and I'm already loud mouthed. Let me turn the volume down. Okay, let's get started. Welcome to Real Talk with Chandrell Perlou. If you would take a moment, please, to like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Like and share Real Talk with Chandrell on New Orleans Talk. Listen to us on Spotify as well. Um, today we have a very, very interesting um, topic, but just for some house cleaning, I just wanted you all to go on Facebook, like us, share, please share and invite, subscribe, like and share on YouTube. Today's topic, the miseducation of the Negro, part two. Um, the previous weeks we've spoken on some information Information on, on a book by Dr. Carter G. Woodson as it relates to the miseducation of, of the Negro. Um, I just want to shed light on um, chapter 10, which was a very important chapter that raised um, some very interesting points and concerns um, as, as people of color. In this particular chapter, it, 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 dealt, it deals with the loss of vision. We all know that even in, in biblical times, they say, Without a vision, the people perish. But historically, according to the book by Dr. Carson Woodson, history shows then that as a result of these unusual forces in the education of the Negro has easily learned to follow the lines of least resistance rather than battle against odds. Let me let me reemphasize that it has been re- historically recognized that it is from the unusual forces in the education of the Negroes that have them easily learned to follow the lines of the least resistance rather than battle against the odds for what real history has shown to be the right course. See, the problem with some of us today is there is a lack of engagement. Most people have fear and and have disaffiliation of of personalities that have the appearance of, of simply being vocal and passionate, but easily mistaken as being arrogant or aggressive behavior. But it is hysterically, hysterically documented that it is one of the natural instincts of some Negroes to resist battle by demonstration of being timid. Sometimes, as, as the word of God even declares, you have to be strong and courageous. And it's, it's not easy. It's not easy going up against the masses. But as long as you're in the battle and you're on the right side of the battlefield, you should not fear no man. You should not be dismayed by their numbering. It reminds me of when Joshua went up to take over the promised land when he sent out the spies to determine where to enter, not to determine rather to enter in or not of the lane. And the spies come back and say, oh, there are many of them. There are giants in the lane. I don't think we can go. Joshua said, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. I am the leader. I am the called of the most high. 
I did not send you on an assignment to make a decision as to whether we should enter into the lane, but I asked you to point out the destination point to where we should enter into. So the point that I'm trying to make to you all people, sometime when God has given you an vision and an assignment, it is because of the miseducation of the Negro that we remain stagnated and we cannot inherit the promises and the power, the power of God is because of the limitation we place on leadership. We should put aside personality and start judging persons by their characteristics and their actions. Because, see, sometimes you can't just identify the wealth and the knowledge in a book just by the cover. You have to go and open the book and read the pages and get the detail before drawing a conclusion. See, some of us have missed the mark because of the miseducation of the Negro. Our people, people of color, are the most divided people. We are the only cultural people that have failed to learn the key of unity. And as we proceed, it says that a mind that remains in the present atmosphere never undergoes sufficient development to experience what is commonly known as thinking. Let's emphasize on thinking. See, you have puppets that are controlled by puppet masters, and you have those who are considered free thinkers. And when you are a free, independent thinker, you intimidate some folks. Because, see, it is not normal for you to see. It's very uncommon to, to see a lot of bold, courageous, strong black women on the field fighting for civil rights and fighting for justice. See, when you have a mind, a mind, a free thinking mind with critical thinking and have the competence and the intelligence to make proper decisions for the community, then at that point you will experience an advancement in society because when a man waves pleases God, he have even his enemies to be at peace with him. See, some of us, because of the miseducation of the Negro, we have been remanded stagnated with no progression. We have been dumbed down. Like Dr. King said, I have led my people into a burning house and as Harriet Tumblin spoke famously if they would have known that they were in slavery I would have freed a many more what are you saying prophetess what I'm saying is sometimes God cannot get you in the right place you need to be in until the way of your thinking progress you have to become a progressive thinker in order to manifest the keys of life to becoming a successful and productive citizen of society. People of color, instead of us being in competition with one another, we need to be in unity with one another, and we are more strong within our unity than our division. Divided, we fall. Together, we stand. We must come to an understanding and a realization, people, that until your mind is liberated, 
And until you become uneducated and re-educated of the sound real history of your cultural and your ancestors, you will never progress to your full potential. We are our only worst enemies, people. There are two systems that we are forces that we are fighting against, and that's the battlefield of the mind and the battlefield of society. One dealing with the spirituality bondage, which is called organized religion, which keeps your soul in spiritual captivity. Then we have the ideology in society called political agendas, politics, which is a way to control the people as it relates to their social and economic engagement. And then you have the macro system, which is called the government, who shows who holds the true power when it comes to the ultimate decision-making process. But until we, the people, stand up and start electing and engaging into our daily decision-making process of our leadership, we will no longer be the voices of people, but we will be a voice of a puppet controlled by the puppet master behind the veil. We are entering into a new age. This is the information age. There is no reason that we as a people of color should be stagnated and not progressing all because of personality clashes. Oh, I don't like this one because she's too outspoken. She unpredictable. We don't know what's going to say, what may come out of her mouth. Let me tell you something, people. If you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. It is well-documented history that it is the natural culture of any race of people, except the African-American people, to take care of their own nationality. You can have Asians, you can have Chinese, whoever, white, whatever nationality coming to the United States of America. And they would hold up in a one-bedroom house with maybe 20 or 40 of them and get all their resources together and start distributing their wealth amongst each other and each one reach one. This is the same ideology that should be invoked into the African-American mindset. We need to change the way of our thinking people. We need to stop listening to the outside forces that are controlling your mind and start to go within and search within so that you can become a free thinker, so that you can become liberated with your decision-making process and no longer in bondage of the puppet masters. Feel free, dial in with any questions, concerns, call 1-563-999-1808 Real Talk with Chandrell, The Miseducation of the Negro. The loss of vision. People, write the vision. Though it tarry, it will not tarry. For truly, God shall bring it to pass. Those that's on Facebook while we're on a break, if you have any comments or concerns, Are you looking for a home to live stream your next event? Give us a call here at Bethesda Community Event Center. 
the only place on a golf course that can host and broadcast live your wedding reception, your baby shower, business seminar, and any other special event. Give us a call at 504-708-9454 for more details. Fanview Live, new time, 12 p.m. each and every Thursday on the Walls Talk Network. Join me, that boy Fred. G Sports in the building. Coach Trevor K. Hit. Yeah, I'm woke. Elevate. Ball game. Yeah, dig. Yeah, dig. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. The wait is over. This is your favorite prophetess, Prophetess Chanel Jones, and I want to introduce to you my new non-traditional podcast called Kingdom Women Speaking, where you can expect a royal discussion amongst queens. Yes, Lord. And you can find me on New Orleans Talk Network. <laughs> Tune in, world. We're real talk with Chandrell. If I'm not mistaken, we have a guest that's on Zoom that's joining us on on this discussion today. If I'm not mistaken, who do we have on the line? We have Dr. Kaliza Fanapanael, who is one of the well-renowned historian and former um, bishop of several mega churches. Um, prior to discovering the ancient truth of knowledge, um, Dr. Khalif, um, I, it's an honor and privilege to have you on live with us today on Real Talk with Shandrell. Um, We were just previously just discussing about the lack of vision and and about how it, it, it has been well documented that there is a lot of resistance when it comes to battling against the eye. And from that perspective, when I'm saying battling against the odds, by you and I both being leaders, former leader, prophetess, and pastors and teachers in the church, and how in this new age, um, because we were stuck back then in the loss of vision, um, but when we finally came to the awakening of, of knowledge of the truth as it relates to religion religious bondage we're talking about two aspects uh one being the religious um organizations and the political and what i would like for you to emphasize and and give the platform um some information on your experience in this journey as it relates to the loss of vision and how you know it has impacted your life from transitioning from an organized religious system to now a spiritual a conscience spiritual um system so if you don't mind if you if you would like to enlighten us and engage with us as we discuss um the the the, the aspect as it relates to the religious system and how it has held our people and are still holding 
some of our people in bondage and what do you foresee for the future generations um as it relates to their engagement in what we know as organized religion well first of all <clears throat> it's a pleasure to be on the same platform with you Chandrill and you're always on point and prolific and powerful uh, in your presentation. So um, I came out of it in a series of, uh, it was a process for me. It wasn't, it didn't happen, you know, in crises. It happened, you know, bit by bit, step by step. Different things started to line up through various phases. Uh, that everyone goes through when they're confronted because I really believe like so many of our brothers and sisters now that what we uh, had come to love and trust it's difficult that we've been lied to when we've been lied to about you know uh, you know, our religion and Jesus and the whole Christian um, religion itself, all of the all of the religions. But I'll just deal with Christianity because that's where, you know, I was professionally for over 40 years. So um, it happened in crises and I went into, you know, various uh, phases of denial, shock, grief, anger. And then finally, I moved to a place of acceptance after the truth kept coming to me. Um, some of the challenges that I faced was disconnecting emotionally from, and I apologize because I'm riding around today. Hopefully you can hear me. And let me, let me, uh, hold on before you, before you move, let me make this comment here. Uh, what was I saying? Uh, the uh, you know, as I came out uh, of of religion, I, I I was emotionally entangled with people because we are humans, okay, and so we develop relationships, we develop feelings for these people. Not only the people that are presently uh, we're engaged with in relationship, but also the people that have gone on before us, like our ancestors, uh, who may have believed your mom, your dad, your grandmother, and other relatives or other friends that you come to develop these emotions about. Now you've got to bring that into proper tension with what you are now discovering to be a lie. So now you, you, you have a battle of the emotions. And that's the trick that Constantine played on us. He did not, as Kabahai Watakamane says, they didn't attack Afri Africa educationally. They didn't attack Africa. They didn't attack our consciousness militarily. They attacked us spiritually. They knew that if they got us uh, spiritually, then they would have us. So as far as the uh, younger generation, I see a shift I see um, this younger generation coming out of the sleep. I see them awakening. And that's happening due to 
the mass flood of information that that is now available and and so you're perhaps looking at the last one or two generations of church going people who would who believe believe the same way that you and I believe so that's the answer to to the three questions you asked. It's very interesting. You want to talk? It's very interesting that um, that you bring up those points about how we felt emotionally and the impact mentally, psychologically, and, and, and the distress that it caused in our family once we know the truth because we no longer believe the, the information that was watered down to us. We know the truth, and it's, it's very difficult when you're trying to re-educate a society of people who have been so indoctrinated with information to where they can't think for themselves. They only can rely on um, the information that was embedded in them. But we have a caller on the line that want to ask us a question. Dr. Khalid, caller, caller one. Caller one, are you there? We'll give them a moment. It'll pop back on the screen. But it's, it's so, so very... Caller 1, you there? Yes, I am here. Can you all hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Okay, good. We got probably got a little bit of feedback going in. So y'all bear with us with this call. Uh, brother, can you run your name by me? Shandrell, how you... You doing first? Let me. How you doing? Happy Monday to you. Who that Monday to you? How you doing? Happy you Monday, doing? Monday. I'm, Ms. I'm in the mood on the run. On the run. You good? I'm Happy good. Monday. Happy Monday. I'm, I'm bucked up about this conversation. Y'all got to be going, man. I'm I'm happy to talk about it. My brother, can you run your name by us one more time so I can ask you a few questions? I love what you're saying right now. Pronunciation. So go ahead. I, I missed that. I, he need, he's I'm impressed. sorry, I missed that question. He's impressed yes, with what is. you're speaking. He just wants you to pronunciate your name so that he wouldn't mispronounce it. Oh, Khalif, C-A-L-I-P-H, like California. Zaph, That's Khalif, Zephanapanael. Okay. Can I call you Khalif, my yes. brother? Yes, what we call him, Khalif. Yes. Okay, all right. Yeah, you. <laughs> it's going to take me a while to get that last name, but I love it. You know what I'm saying? Um, You know, man, everything you're speaking on, I'm, it, it got my blood going. It got me excited because I've been spending the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, uh, talking directly to the 80s babies about our faith in God. And, and who we are as men in our community and how important information, alternative information is to us. Like, where do we get our information from is very important to who we are as a people. I want to ask you, I want to, uh, you know, break it, break it down real, real quick. I want to ask you the difference between your generation as an African-American man in the United States of America um, and the 80s babies, my generation, I'm born in 1981. You know, I just turned 41 this year. So I feel like 80s babies between the age, you know, between the ages of, you know, 40 and 30, they ought to, it's their turn to really take, you know, this community by the horns 
we inherited and, 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 and make it into something that, that we could be proud of by the time we in our 70s. So can I ask you what, what, what difference you see between your generation and our generation, my brother? Well, first of all, I have, I have sons your age, and uh, I, I know that the information that I had was passed to me orally. Uh, we, we lived in an oral tradition where uh, the generation that preceded my generation, of course, I'm a baby boomer. My mother was in the silent generation, and she goes all the way back to 19. She was born in 1915, so she goes back even beyond the silent generation to the golden or the, or the grand generation, as they call it. So uh, those beliefs and values in that particular generation were instilled in me all the way down to the baby boomer. Now, what that simply means is, is that people were not as literate. They did not have the literacy. They couldn't read and write. With reading comprehension and critical critical cognitive thinking abilities, uh, so we took the word of the illiterate preacher in many instances, who had been given an oral tradition based upon his authority. You understand? So because because mm-hmm. I am uh, the authority figure, you take my word for what I say and don't question me. And so often we would hear. Uh, you know, the, 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 he must be in a bad area. Um, Khalid, so tell we can get a reception. Um, basically, he was that's the way it goes. Okay, there you go. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, we we lost you. Go ahead. We didn't know if you were in a bad area. Can, can you hear us? <laughs> and I also want to frame that question to you, too. We all doing a Zoom call over here. Sometimes Zoom could be a little bit choppy, so when he chops up, I'm also directing the question to you, too, uh, Ms. Paralu, as far as the difference. You know, there's a, there's a generation of 80s babies, the woman, you know what I'm saying? As a, you know, what are some of the things that you're seeing, you know, uh, as the Brother Khalees was speaking on? Everything was, ret- uh, you, know, ret- you know, information was given to you orally. You know what I'm saying? Um, how do you feel about it, Miss Paralu, about, you know, the, the African-American women that are 80s babies in this country? What, what difference are you seeing with them and how they get their information? Well, what I'm seeing with there's not many, there's very rare conscious African-American women. And most of us that have this wealth of information that can relate to Dr. Khalif are, are, are spiritual um, free thinking women. So based on my observation, observation i i do notice that the children that's born in 2000 they are not as embracive or in tune into biblical knowledge for example my son tells me oh the bible was written by man now could you not try to see where he at with the jesus concept and then when i realized that he's already tapped in to understand that there's something behind just what we were taught even though we understand there is a higher power higher source and a consciousness and a in a christ consciousness and anointing even with the children if you notice some of them automatically coming not understanding what the free locks are and how they're growing the lock so that's letting us know the crowns are actually being prepared now and you know the, the sad thing about it is dr khalif and i will emphasize on it was religion that has kept our people in bondage and and that was like he was speaking on about the literacy until we had this smart revolution like-minded um nat turner 
who utilized the platform that Master had given him on that Sunday to preach, but at the same time, it caused a slavery revolt that was very successful. Um, so basically what he did was he utilized the tools that they, and resources that Master gifted him with to in better and liberate his people. But keep in mind, no matter how much tools we have, we will not be able to liberate all of our people because some of them choose to remain dumbed down. This is not a type of real talk that offer these holier-than-thou spiritual folks. This conversation is for intellectual, spiritual-minded people who want to be not only liberated in their minds, but also liberated in their souls. So, Dr. Khalif, as you were stating about the oral traditions, even though we know that you were very successful in your mega churches, I mean, you made multi-millions of dollars, which I could have made the same, but the oath that I chose with God was that I would never utilize my, my, my gift for monetary gain. That was just a certain agreement that I made with God, even though donations would never be um, shunned away because I would never want to hinder someone from sowing the seed on a good ground. But just from you experiencing the multi-millions of dollars, I mean, living the life of, of kingship with a religion that you later found out to know that it holds no merits outside of the origins of a set of and a rule. What what's your question? I'm sorry. The question, what's your question is, I mean, what I mean, what type of? I know you express how you were shunned, how you went through your own emotional confusion, like I did when embracing the truth. But now, just looking back at how you led thousands, multi of thousands of people, and was very successful making multi-millions of dollars in this system called organized religion. What's, what's your position today? I mean, if you can just encourage and inspire some of these upcoming wannabe preachers. Like, what is it? I mean, well, if you well, well, first of all, the, the church age, in my estimation, from where I am now and viewing the landscape, um, the church age, it will never go back to the time where we will see mass numbers of people, full congregations, where the church is booming again. Church attendance, according to many of the surveys and studies that I'm looking at now, has began to has begun to 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 go away. So that means there's been a shift. Something has happened. Uh, the Barner study, there's a study out about uh, in, in the Barner, B-A-R-N-A B -A -R -N -A study. And then there's another study uh, that was conducted. I forget by who did this study, but why millennial, black millennials are leaving the church in groves. So there's been a shift now between 2003 uh, and 2008. I did make about. $3.6 million in the church. You know, and I went back and for some reason I thought about that yesterday. I had no idea you were going to ask me about this. But $3.5, $3.6 million in five years. Um, but that day, I don't see it happening anymore. I was able to 
to be the youngest uh, Baptist preacher in the city of Oakland, California, where I pastored, to erect or build a facility from the ground up at 37 years of age. Uh, at one time, I held the distinction of being the youngest pastor in the Bay Area, in the city of Oakland. But of course, that was short-lived because some other pastors came through. But that day is gone. The consciousness has elevated due to an increase in knowledge uh, and due to a flood of information that's coming out that was once suppressed, that was once withheld from us. We didn't have access to it. And people are more literate. The brother that uh, said he was born in the 80s, these brothers can read, they can, they can write, they have reading comprehension, they, skills, they have critical thinking abilities, they're more educated, they're not checking their brains and minds in at the door and being emotionalized by some preacher who's emotionalizing them and entertaining them. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, and so they are thinking. This is a thinking generation based on the information that they're getting. So that's that's what we are now. And as far as um, the the other part of your question, what can these, what will my word be to pastors? I would tell them to make the shift from the church age to the kingdom age. And that's simply moving from belief to knowledge. Where wow. you once told people to believe this and believe it because I said so. Believe it because I'm the authority figure. Now this generation is saying to you, we don't want to believe this. We want to know. And the good news is, Chandrell, there's a way to take this story that is in the Bible, these stories, and transmute it into knowing. In other words, the shift from church age to kingdom age is upon us. And we lose that because a lot of pastors are saying I'm preaching the kingdom, but they're really not preaching the kingdom. You're really not preaching the kingdom if you're still telling people believe in what I say and rather than know what I say. And, and the difference between correct. the kingdom and the church is he said in Mark chapter 4, verse 11, unto you is given to know the mystery of the kingdom. It's knowing versus believing. And we have a caller, Dr. Khalif, caller one. Um, is there a call on the line? We're talking about the shift from the church age. Yeah, I'm here. I, I would. Go ahead, sir. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I cut you off. What you saying? No, we were emphasizing okay. about so, the shift. So, I was listening, and, you know, I just got this, you know, thought, you know, over what you were saying, and I appreciate you saying that, uh, the 80s babies or thinker, uh, thinker generation, because I, I think, you're hitting on something with that. I know you're hitting on something with that. Uh, we've also, as 80s babies, have we, we've, we've embraced the culture in our community of, instead of community, but hood. Um, we've accepted this hood mentality over the culture. And this hood mentality has brought a lot of violence to our community. I just wanted to get your insight on what you think about the narrative of gentrification in the African-American community. What was the difference when you were growing up and blacks killing blacks, and what are you seeing now as one of the elders of our community 
and you know, uh, what what are some of the uh, biblical solutions that could be presented to uh, uh, the young men out there, or the, or the middle aged men out there who seeking the information on the biblical side of things that's related to gentrification? And I'll listen to your answer to that question. Thank you very much for your time, Mr. Khalees. Uh Well, <clears throat> gentrification, I watched uh, the city of Oakland. I was in West Oakland uh, in what they call dog time. Uh, Too Short did a video out there uh, right, uh, in, the, in the neighborhood with my church. He called it the ghetto. And the music has a lot to do with, of course, our values and beliefs and then our behavior and our culture was what I'm saying. And so we saw, we started seeing a shift uh, in gentrification that started happening in the minds of people and the young through the music and through the language and, you know, that, that started to be, we started to, started to use. I watched uh, my area, Dogtown, which was predominantly, uh, I would say 90% African American. Uh, when I went into my ministry there in the 70s, late 70s. And I slowly watched them as they introduced, you know, drugs uh, into the community. They started introducing crack into the community. And and I watched the, the whole process of the shift in economics where the people were no longer you know, family-oriented, working people. Uh, the education system had been deindustrialized. Uh, the uh, religious, everything had been deindustrialized as far as the black community was concerned. And the, the, the corrosion or the corruption, the deterioration has started to happen in the minds through the music and then through the drugs. And then we saw the fallout in the properties and economically, in other words, uh, we saw it happening there. And I watched that process and I tried to uh, develop programs to suspend and to, to address those issues that were happening. And I uh, was able to write uh, several programs. I created a housing economic development corporation that had uh, after school components <coughs> excuse me in it where we uh, adopted certain schools to mentor our young I had jump programs with juvenile on the male protection I had exodus program which <coughs> excuse me which was uh, ex-offenders delivered to us I had comfort which was Christian ongoing ministry for overall residential transition. I had transitional housing, had education, had job training, had substance abuse recovery education to the point that the president of the United States sent this white boy down there to get me and uh, took our programs and made them a national model. Now, of course, let me tell you a quick story. I don't want to be loquacious and, and you get lost in what I'm saying. And hopefully I'm answering your question. Um, they, we had an ex-offender re-entry program because at the time Oakland had a recidivism rate of like 80%. Uh, in two years, 80% of all of the parolees <coughs> that got out of prison would recidivate and go back to prison. 
So we created a program that was tracked for three years that uh, turned that recidivism rate around where 78% in three years of the people delivered to our program, <coughs> excuse me, I'm down here, I got some hay fever going on, uh, did not recidivate. So to answer the Okay, we'll be right. I hate to come in between. We have to take a short break, and we'll be right back. Hold that thought, Dr. Khalif. Those that want to call in and ask questions, you can contact us on the number on the screen. We'll be right back after this moment. Call in 1-563-999-1808. Now, now New Orleans has a choice. Download the New Orleans Talk Network app for your mobile device or listen at www.neworleanstalknetwork.com. Hi, I'm Prophetess Charlene Duforce. And I'm Bishop Carol Duforce Sr. And we're from Living Witnesses Ministries. And we also uh, have a program on, on the internet uh, called Living by the Word Daily. And we're seen every Wednesday from 11 a.m. to 12 noon Central Time on the New Orleans Talk Network. And we would like to invite you to tune in with us every Wednesday morning, again, 11 to 12 noon Central Daylight Time. Please join us as we teach the Word of God. Thank you, and God bless. God bless you. Our guest, Dr. Khalif Zephanapanal L. Um, we call him Dr. Khalif, and we're talking about the miseducation of the Negro and how the religious system has impacted our decision making process. And as we come to a conclusion, and we got a few more minutes, I just wanted to read this statement as well. Um, it's, it's very, very, very essential that we all pay attention to, to this because it's a very powerful. Um, powerful information it states the education of the negro then becomes a perfect device for for control from without do you hear this people the education this is why it's so important we need to be re-educated from the miseducation it because it becomes the perfect device for control from without those who purposely promote it have every reason to rejoice 
and the Negroes, the black folks, the color folks, the brown-skinned persons themselves exaltly championed the cause of the oppressor. In other words, we was the enabler of our oppressor. And now, as Dr. Khalif has stated, we have shifted from the church age to the kingdom age of knowledge. And as the Bible says, he, Dr. Khalif says, not, we don't have to put away from our Bible. We can still use it as a tool because it, it, it gives us information about the individuality of us as persons. So there are some information in the Bible that can be used, be applied in our daily lives, but we must understand that it's not to be taken literally, that those stories are allegorical, and it's tools that we can use to navigate this journey called life. And that's why it's so important to have the re-education from the miseducation of the Negro um, slash black slash brown colored folks because knowledge is power. And now, Dr. Khalif, as we emphasize on this kingdom age and the powers that be know that there is a great shift. As you know, we had the jab out. We had all the other document incidents that have occurred to try to stop the progression, but Mother Nature will not allow it to happen because it is... It is purposed, it's destined for us to inherit the kingdom age, those who have fallen asleep and to transition before such transition of the kingdom age. But um, just speaking on the kingdom age, um, why do you feel that the people that are here now to witness actually all these years that we've been preaching about the rapture and and the, the kingdom age and the mark of the beast now to discover that these things that we have been preaching about had nothing to do with this ugly monster looking creature, but, but pertaining to a system and a new society. And especially with the passing away of the queen of England and those of us who are educated understand that that that's, was, that comes from colonization and great suppression of our people of color with all due respect to the family of 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 that institution but nevertheless we as people of color that has the information and knowledge understand that system and that agenda of that system so in light of that transition it's more even clear and evident that we are entering to the kingdom age because that old system has been and is being torn down so could you shed some light as to the kingdom age and as it relates to this transition of of the longest serving um monarchy queen of of england and how these things are symbolic to where we are heading as a society well you know you you covered a lot of ground there the the tail end of my previous comment would be to say that uh, this generation has to return to uh, has to return to its own heritage, its own uh, scholars, its own system of education as you were dealing with the miseducation and how that was used as a tool to bring us under control. And then shifting into synchronicity in terms of the 
timing of everything and the queen and colonialism behind the queen is the Pope. You've got to understand uh, the, what I will call the Tekkenu. And by Tekkenu, I mean, for an example, the Washington Monument stands in the center of the 10 square miles in D.C. There's a monument that stands straight up. I think it's about uh, 1,776 feet tall or something like that. I, I may be wrong with those numbers. But that symbol also stands in Vatican Square, in St. Peter's Square at the Vatican. <coughs> that symbol also stands in the city, which is London. There's a square mileage of an area in London that those three symbols, that Tekkenu or the monument, the Greeks call it the oblique, stand. There is no way for us to become totally free because the monument in Rome represents spirituality or the religious system. The monument in D.C. <coughs> represents military. The monument in London represents economic. And unless we can break free and the whole system itself, this is one system now, the religious system, the a, a military or political system and the economic system is all one. So one of the things that get us is that we try to detach from the religious system, not understanding the money system that's tied into it, not understanding the military system or the political system that's tied into it. So as we shift, it is a doing away, <coughs> excuse me, with all all of it, in order to experience total liberation and freedom, the whole system has to go. Right, and I mean, it's symbolic, and we, those of the occultic teaching, we, we've known for over a year now that there would be a transition and forbid, you know, I, I, my, my condolences go out to, to the family. I, I can't consider royal because we know the history that there's not real names of the families, there's Germans. So we're not going to go into that, but I, I, could, I could not a lot compromise my intellect or something I know better, you know. So I just say my condolences go out to that family. But from from just what we have experienced, it, it has truly confirmed to my soul that we are right there at the cusp of the kingdom age if we're not already there. Because think about it, the crown has been shifted, even though it's misappropriated from our standpoint of history, our story. We know our story. That's why this topic is the miseducation of the Negro. But it's symbolic that in the time of Virgo, her transition happens in the year 2022, which is 246, the number of man, 2026. 222, 246, 2022 is six main. So it emphasizes to us that there is a great shift in those that do not awaken themselves up out this coma. They will be left behind in a time such as this, and they will not inherit this kingdom that they've been shabacking all their lives for every Sunday because the kingdom is now. 
It is now. Those days that have preached about is now. So preachers, what are you going to do now that the kingdom has come? What are you going to do? What are you going to do with that Bible of yours now? Because thy kingdom have come and thy rapture has come for some. And even though all of us was not raptured, we all did not get caught up. There was some of us left behind to awaken the people. So if they have not realized from this point that there is a great shifting, I just don't understand what more we can do besides just continue dropping the knowledge and hopefully one day they too shall wake up. I know it's going to be a struggle and a disappointment and self-hatred for a while and anger, but once you get past those emotions, you will be liberated in mind, spirit, and soul. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Uh, that, that's very powerful. What are you going to do now that the kingdom has come and you can interpret the the events of the passing of the queen, and I don't offer any condolences to her or her family. They got too much of my property and too much of my people's land and too much blood on their hands. I mean, how much blood do they need in, until they are satisfied? Uh, and how much property do they need? Under, I have this imaginary plan uh, that uh, is not imaginary. I, I, I'm going to share. This is the first time I've ever shared it. That that wealth will the redistribution of wealth under my plan as Choctaw Cherokee King Committee High Priest. Everyone is a millionaire. There's enough money in the world for everyone on the planet to be a millionaire. And you're, so, and you're so truthful, and that brings us back to our birth certificate that has been sold with our trust fund. So there's no reason why we should be lacking financial resources when that birth certificate is our trust account. You're right. There's, it's beyond just a million. It supersedes it's multi-millions of dollars. Now, too many people understand about being sovereign, like the Queen of England and was sovereign. But that's our, we have that same birthright. But what we do is we in we enable other people to utilize the power, our power. We just give it away. We just give it away and let other people just live their best life while we continue to be stagnated. So you you're right about that. You're absolutely correct. So what? what well, what, I put what, I put some I put some uh, I put up a post on Facebook the other day about Unum Sanctum, uh, Romanus Pontifex, <laughs> um, Attorney Regis and convocation and the three crowns of Sesti K Vi, the three crowns that give uh through the birth certificate, by the way, <coughs> them our energies and gives them uh the three crowns that give them the power. See there's enough wealth as you said for there to be no poverty on the earth for anyone but you have this group that that have hoarded and and collected the wealth of the world in pockets to the one percent and that has to change but in order for that to change again we're going to need some help some intervention from from some celestial cosmic 
influences. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> I've been cutting grass and I got grass down my throat and I keep calling. I apologize to your audience for the continuous coughing, but <clears throat> we're going to have to take the whole system down. The system is going to need, we're going to need help from, from a spiritual source. So for us to return to our spirituality, for us to return to our spiritual root is the key. Spirituality will will then give birth to a new form of government and governance that will give birth to a new form of society that will give birth to a new form of education, a new form of economics. And, I and totally so agree. as we as we as we return. Uh, so so the creation wealth strategy starts with spirituality. And from spirituality, it moves into the social aspect, how we build the first or the smallest unit of society, which is the man and the woman, and then the family. And from there to the education system, from there to the economic system, from there to the political system or the governance system of how we govern ourselves. And in that order, you can't give money to people that are not educated. And you can't give money to people that are educated but are not structured. And you can't give money to people that are educated, not structured, and have no spiritual identity. <coughs> so we have to recover our spiritual identity first. That is the greatest wealth that we have. Thank you, Sandra. Well, our time has been well spent, Dr. Khalif. I thank you for joining us on Real Talk Live with Chandra. Look forward to your engagement in future conversation. Audience, if you don't mind, we would like you to share and invite. Um, thank you, Dr. Khalif, for taking out the time to share such knowledgeable information with us. Those of you that would like to subscribe to us on YouTube, go to New Orleans Talk, hit the subscribe and like button. Um, stay tuned to next time. With real talk with Chandrail. Like it's going.